2: Yo! What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 188. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. In this episode, not a lot of news to cover from the past week. So, we're going to kind of lay out 30 Eagles over unders for the 2021 season. We did this, of course, around this time, uh, around this time ish last year. Uh, Brandon, go ahead and take your victory lap from uh, from beating me. We both beat the fans, but Brandon also beat me in this exercise a year ago.
1: Very gloriously, Jimmy. I beat you in the free agent competition we have this year, unless the Eagles signed Gary Conley or Malik Hooker, I guess, then or both of them, then you could beat me. But uh, we'll see on that one. <laughs> Still uh, possible. And then I, possible. And you beat me in the draft game because you took Devontae Smith before I took uh, him. Boom. But – and no one cares about any of this, by the way. But I'm recapping it anyway for the, the maybe the very few who might. But yeah, uh, but I think fans should care about how they finished in the over unders because I'm going to post uh, polls on BleedingGreenNation.com accompanying this article just like I did last year. So you will get a chance to redeem yourselves, fans, and hopefully pick right this time. Last year, I finished first place with 14 correct answers. Jimmy, second. Ten voters were third with eight. And I kind of left one unsolved. There was like an over-under there for Jalen Hurts' non-quarterback snaps. You know, I didn't like go back and watch every single, his, all of his snaps to like chart that. Uh, so I kind of just left that one unsolved, but it wouldn't change anything anyway. So it doesn't really bear an impact on the standings. I kind of just wanted to read through uh, some of the ones really quickly, Jimmy, like the, the over-unders we had last year, some of the more interesting <laughs> ones. Um, yeah. Just very like uh, a big reason why the fans lost Jimmy is because they were optimistic and that did not serve them well. As <laughs> right. in the case of Carson Wentz touchdown passes, which you had at thirty one point five. uh Yikes. And then you had Carson Wentz like uh interceptions plus fumbles. Twenty two point five. Um, a lot of people, 90 percent took the under on that one. Guess what? Uh, it was over. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of those kind of just a lot of optimistic stats from last year uh also jeffrey 0.5 snaps played a lot of people took the over and actually won on that and i did yep. and you did not jimmy uh so there's there's just like a lot of things like that um that could have stood out as if you took the over on the optimism you were not rewarded and uh i think i i won because i was like a little more skeptical or a little more <laughs> right. uh conservative and, and what i expected so there we go. And before we get into this year's, I just want to mention that BGN Radio, of course, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to righteousfelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best meat snacks you can possibly buy in your life. And also, Righteous Felon for your beef jerky, but WildNaturePet.com for your dog treat. Same discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy. Before we get to the Eagles over unders, I have one Sixers over under for you. We're recording this oh, on baby. Saturday
2: of course, after the sixteenth Yes. Juneteenth day after the Sixers uh, uh, game six win uh, in Atlanta over the Hawks. So they have uh, a game coming up Sunday, which is when this podcast will probably be published uh, eight o'clock tonight. So um, they have at least one game left. My question to you is how many Sixers games are remaining in this year, this season, mm. including Sunday
1: night? Six, 6.5. Oh, B. oh, man, Jimmy, you're killing me. Uh, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to be optimistic because I want to keep seeing them play, and I am hopeful that maybe they have learned. Kind of need some more Tyrese Maxi, a little less Ben Simmons, who has 18 points from the field in his last three games. Great stuff there from an all-star max contract player. So I'm going to hope they learn from it. But, uh, man, hard to feel great about him, huh? I'm going under.
2: Um yeah, I think they're they benefit obviously if they win this series because of the injuries to the Nets. Uh, I think they can. I mean, I guess I thought a week ago they would have easily beaten the Bucks, but I'm not so sure on that one anymore. But uh, I'm going to go under on the premise that uh, good chance they lose. I mean, they're favored pretty heavily, right? Seven, seven and a half. I think it is.
1: Yeah, that's what I so, saw for uh, for uh, Sunday. Uh,
2: so we'll see if they can get by them. But uh, I'm going to go under. And uh, all right, yeah. You know, All right, let's get to the Eagles stuff. Uh, Jalen Hurts' passer rating, 87.5. Should note last year he was 77 point something. So if he improves by 10
1: points, then uh, he will hit this mark. I'll take the over, Jimmy. I have some level of hope for Jalen Hurts this year. I'm not assuming he's going to be awesome, but uh, I think there's a chance he kind of could be good. And I think this is on the low end. And I just feel like it looked a little too low to me. And maybe I'm kind of being suckered into that, but uh, I'm taking the over. What about you?
2: Well, I think the offensive scheme is going to be more favorable to stats that translate to better quarterback rating, uh, such as completion percentage is a big one, really, for that. Um, but he's got some accuracy accuracy issues that he's got to get through. Um, we'll see if he can cut down on the interceptions. He had four. In those roughly four and a half games that he played last year, um, so we'll see if he can cut down on those. They're going to have to pass a lot, which I don't think is great for his quarterback. In theory, they're going to have to pass a lot because uh, they're going to be down in games. I think it makes sense for them offensively to have a run-heavy attack with the personnel that they have, but uh, ultimately, I think they're going to be trailing. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go under. I think you. I mean, you said over, and I think the fans are going to go 87.5. That's it. Over, yeah. So I'm going to go contrarian here, and I'm going to take the under on Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to be very effective uh, as a runner with Jalen Hurts and Gainwell and, and Boston Scott and whoever else you know makes the roster from that running back spot. But uh yeah, I, I think the
1: the passing and the accuracy is going to come along a little more slowly. That's fair. I'll go to mine. One I I came up with here. It's a Little peek behind the curtain. Jimmy and I each came up with 15 of these, so we split it down the middle. Jimmy, I have Jalen Hurts fumbles at 14.5. And that's now, a big well, number. <laughs> I know. Well, consider. And now some of these were Jason Kelsey, like bad snaps, especially right. when like Wentz was still the starter and then Hurts was coming in. And it seems like for whatever reason, like Hurts and Kelsey just weren't on the same page. I guess maybe not from having the experience, although Wentz and Kelsey had some of those issues too. But, uh, anyway, Jimmy, Jalen Hurts had nine fumbles last year, which is yeah. insane. Because the NFL leader, I think it was like Lamar Jackson or around there, and they had like 11. He had nine and he only started four games. And now obviously he played a little bit more than that. If you look at snap count, he played in like what, like a third of the snaps last year? Like that's insane. And I, like that's just, that's just really crazy to me. I came up with 14.5, um, because the average fumble leader over the past 10 years was 14.9. Oh, really? So this okay. number would, yeah, kind of put him around like, the Being, league leader. <laughs> yeah, the league leader in fumbles, which I don't think is kind of like a crazy starting point just based right. on what we've seen in the small And he's going to run a lot. So he's going to be he's gonna exposed run a
2: to more fumble possibilities. Absolutely. So, so what are you taking on this one? Uh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go under. The one okay. thing I will note, like from the very limited time that we've gotten to see, see OTAs, is they really are working on ball security. Like they've done a lot of different drills. This is more with the running backs especially with like the ball on the string drill where you have the guy on the other end. He's trying to yank the ball out with the string while the uh, running backs go through drills and they're trying to hold on to the football. So uh, anyway, I don't know if that's a priority at the quarterback position, uh, as it is seemingly early on at the the running back position. But it does seem to be a priority that they want to be more careful with the football than, of course, they were last year when they just turned it over like they like they were handing out candy on,
1: on Halloween. I'm going to take the over just because, again, nine and four games last year, like it could just be an issue, um, just like it kind of it was for Carson Wentz. Uh, it's a high number, but, man, pretty concerning. Uh, <laughs> next up, another one I came up with, Jimmy. Joe Flacco starts for the Eagles at 1.5. Uh. I'll just say
2: that any, t- any game that Joe Flacco starts is going to be unwatchable. So, like, hopefully that number's low just for the mm. sake of uh, entertainment value. But 1.5, it's a lo- low number, and you have a running quarterback who, in theory, is, uh, you know, sort of exposed to more injury possibilities. But he is a beast. Jalen Hurts, we're talking about here, beast in the weight room. And uh, those guys that, uh, you know, are, uh, you know, these 600-pound squatters, 400-pound benchers. They tend to stay uh, healthier than the guys that are not that. So I'm gonna trust that Jalen can a stay healthy and b play well enough where he doesn't get benched. So I'm gonna actually take the under on the mm. 1.5. So also, I don't think it's a it's a lock that Flacco is the number two. I think Nick Browns has a chance to uh, unseat him as the number really? two. Now, if we're looking at if we're looking at it in terms of uh, like Howie Roseman, like is how much pull he has, how much, you know, he decides who is where on the depth chart, then no, he's Nick Mullins is not going to overtake Flacco because of how much they paid Flacco. And presumably we don't know what Nick Mullins is making yet, but presumably it's probably a league minimum or close to it, uh contract. So, um, but if the coaching staff is allowed to control the depth chart, then yeah, I don't think it's a lock that he's the number two, because frankly, I think Nick Mullins is a better
1: player than him. I agree with you on Mullins and I, it's, thank you for bringing him up because I was going to do that here. I wanted to see your thoughts on the signing. I mean, to me, uh, like, it's just, you had to give Joe Flacco $3.5 million when you can go out and get Nick Mullins like you did just now and arguably better. I mean, if he's worse, like, how much worse is he? Is he like three three $3.5 million guaranteed worse than Joe Flacco? I don't think so. Uh, he's younger than Joe Flacco too. I, I really, it's just kind yeah, of a weird. He, what is he?
2: 26? I was surprised he yeah, was that 26.
1: Young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a weird signing to me. It's like, it doesn't really like make the most sense of the third string to me as it would make more sense of a second string. I mean, you need to camp arm, you need three arms, whatever. Yeah. So I, I think it's a fine signing in the sense of adding him to the team, but I just don't love it in the context of the Flacco thing. But we've talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm going to take the over actually here, Jimmy, just based okay. on history, uh, a starting quarterback. For the Philadelphia Eagles has started every single game in just two out of the last 12 Eagle seasons. That was Carson Wentz <laughs> yeah. in 2019 and 2016. Uh there's 17 games now, it's an extra game, so that's that's something to consider really with all of these over unders mm-hmm. here. I just feel like and you know, I don't I don't know. I feel like there's a chance that it's not just Hurts getting injured or Hurts getting hurt. There could be a scenario where Hertz is like really, really struggling. And I don't think it makes sense to put Flacco in at that point, but like I could conceivably see them do that just because they don't seem like, like, I mean, they were sold on Carson Wentz as their franchise guy and he plays so terribly that he got benched. Like they don't think of highly as of Jalen Hertz as they do, or they did Carson Wentz last year. So I think it's just, it's it's not impossible that Joe Flacco could come in for injury and or, uh, performance related, whatever. So I'm going to take the over on that, which is very sad because if the Eagles are playing at Joe Flacco at any point this year, then it's just like, it's a waste. Like, there's no, there's nothing, what's good is going to come out of that. Like, you're not learning anything right. about this player who could be here for the long term. He's not entertaining to watch aesthetically. Like, it's just like a big waste of time.
2: If he comes in for performance related issues, then that's, I think that's probably like the worst case scenario for the 21 yes. season. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh, next one is another one of yours. Uh, Deshaun Mm -hmm. Watson snaps in an Eagles uniform Mm -hmm. 0.5. So basically, does do they trade for him this year? Uh, I'm gonna go under. I don't think
1: it happens this year. Do you think it is very much on the table for 2022? Yeah, I'm gonna take the under as well. I feel like you kind of just have to with the unknown, but I wanted to include it in here because it's something that's still, you know, lingering out there. Oh, it's not 0% in my mind for this year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, also, the snaps is an interesting thing because it's been floated out there. I think Florio has talked about this, or or someone has, where like they could trade for him and he could be suspended. So they're like starting right. hurts, but like they have you know Watson around. So you know we'll see on that. But I, I just wanted to include it in here. I'm taking the under as well. All right, you can introduce your next ones because it's your boy, Jimmy. Save the Devonte Smith over unders for me as he should, and. I have. And I recognize this number too, by the way. I I know, I know what that number means, but go ahead. All the numbers I pick do have some kind of logic to them. (laughs) I took the time, people. Uh, this isn't some random guessing. Um, Devontae Smith yards 912. Why is that number significant, Jimmy? Because that's the number of yards Deshaun Jackson had his rookie season. It is the it's the well it's the Eagles rookie record for receiving okay. yards. All right, so so yes, um, will Devontae Smith basically break the Eagles rookie receiving record this season? It's lined up for him to do it because he's going to be the number one receiver on the team. I mean, hands
2: down, he's he's clearly the most talented uh, you know wide receiver on the roster, but and I think by a pretty wide margin too. So I think he's going to a lot, a lot of as long as stay healthy, he's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to get a lot of catches and he's gonna get a lot of yards. So I think he's going to go over. It's really just a matter of can he stay on the field. So I think, yeah, I think he, if he can stay on the field the entire season, I think that guy uh, knows how to play the position. And he is, as you like to say, a, a dog. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that he is going to easily actually surpass that number if he can play. all. Wow. And again, as you mentioned before, it's 17 games as opposed to 16. So he gets yeah. an extra bite
1: at the apple. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go over on that one. So, um, also would be if he hits the thousand mark, it would be their first thousand yard receiver since who, Jimmy? Macklin. Yes. And this is wow. a wide receiver. I'm not counting Ertz <laughs> in two thousand eighteen as a tight end when he had over a thousand And what like, was that twenty fourteen? Yeah. And he had thirteen eighteen that year. One thousand three hundred eighteen yards in 2014 so it's been a while not great yeah kind of been a while <laughs> not i mean they obviously won a super bowl without a, a thousand yard receiver so yeah. you, you, you're gonna take that but like in general not really the best when you're going like so many years without a thousand yard receiver in a very offensive friendly nfl um i'm gonna take the over as well obviously how could i not i think Devonte smith it's really important to note like he is the volume target in this offense like zach Hertz isn't going to be here and he's just not that guy I think, anymore for this team, even if he is, which I I mean, he's just not going to be here. So that's not even in the equation for me. Um, I don't think Dallas Goddard is really going to be like this volume player all of a sudden. I mean, I think he'll be involved. I don't think he's like the same way that Wentz through to Ertz that is going to be like Hertz to Goddard. Like, I don't even know how much Hertz loves throwing the tight ends. Like... He doesn't, like, work the middle of the field the same way that Carson Wentz did. I think we'll see Hertz utilize his receivers a little bit more. And a little familiarity won. there, obviously, too. With and, the, and the familiarity. The so, yeah, that's an easy one for me. Uh, like, who would you take over? it? Like, who, who's getting targets over no Devontae right. yeah, Smith? I mean, clearly, yeah. he's, he's like, if you're going to put odds on who
2: leads the team in all three categories, receptions, yards, and touchdowns, it's going to be Devontae Smith. And we may as well just segue write that in. Your next one here is Devontae Smith. Touchdowns, four and yep. a half. I'll just save the, uh, I'll just uh, like, no more analysis needed for me already. Like, I'm I'm going over on that one.
1: Same. And the, the reason why I came up with 4.5 is, uh, that's actually about the average for top 10 wide receiver picks in the last 10 draft classes. That's how many, uh, touchdowns they've averaged over the past 10 years. So okay. that number is right around what he, like, an average, you know, first round pick in the top 10 would have. So I have him right at that. Um, I mean, he scored what, something like twenty-two touchdowns or whatever. He was a touchdown yep. machine at Alabama. Yeah, in an he's offense not,
2: loaded with talented players, like he outperformed all of them. So uh, he's not like team Jones. Where He's not surrounded by a lot of talent. I think his his ability to to you know get that target <laughs> share up even higher is is uh is
1: you know, he's, he's prime candidate for that. He's not like Julio Jones who, like, mystifyingly, like, can't find the end zone for some reason. Like, has great receiving stats, but has, like, like suspiciously low touchdown numbers for some reason. Um, Although, knock on wood, because I don't want to jinx him. Uh, All right.
2: Miles Sanders.
1: This is another one of yours. Miles Sanders,
2: uh, 1,023.5 rushing yards. I have no idea where you're coming
1: up with that number. So that is his per-game pace last year, adjusted to 17 okay. games. So, uh, you know, he hasn't had that 1,000-yard receiving season yet, and obviously injuries kind of held him back We're a little r- bit r- last rushing, year. Rushing, rushing to be clear. Yes, yes. Uh, sorry, rushing yards. Um, by the way, do you remember the last time the Eagles had a 1,000-yard rusher, Jimmy? <laughs> well,
2: obviously, LaShawn is in there, but let me see. Mm. I'm trying to think if there's one since then. And I can't think of one, so I I think it's LaShawn. In what year? Well it was during the chip years. Uh when did mm-hmm. they trade him? Was it during the 2014 off? no, it's during the twenty fifteen offseason. So it would
1: be it would be yep. twenty fourteen. Correct. Because they so, only had one year about of DeMarco that. Mary. <laughs> yes. Think about that. The Eagles have not had a thousand yard receiver or rusher in a league. A state of the league where offense has never been easier since 2014. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, So taking the over or under on Miles Sanders.
2: I'll take the under all day on that. I I like Miles Sanders, and I think he's going to come back, and he's going to have a bounce-back season of sorts. But I'll take the under for a couple reasons. One, Mm. um, he's had injuries, and that's a position where you have a lot of injuries. I don't know how many, like – I'd like to see how many uh, running backs actually go over 1,000 yards per season these days. Um, so yeah, I I don't think it's that, that common. Like it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And then also I think, um, they're going to give playing time to other running backs too, like, um, Boston Scott and to Kenny Gainwell. And then I think carry on Johnson makes the roster. I just did a a little profile on him and his major appeal is that he's good in, in pass protection. So I think in situations where it's, you know, very clear that they're gonna be throwing the football. He's gonna see some snaps, maybe not necessarily as a receiver, but just as an extra blocker, uh, next to Jalen Hurts there. So I think he's gonna be splitting carries a little bit. And uh I think they might do that on purpose even to some degree to, to keep him healthy. So I think it's uh he can he can certainly do it. Like he's talented enough to to go over that that
1: mark. But uh I'll take the safe bet here and I'll go under. I'm surprised because last year you had the Miles Sanders. I think over under a very even. bullish on Miles Sanders yeah. last year, and uh, I'm less bullish this year. I think the reasoning there is fair. I think there's it's definitely not a lock. He gets here. It's not as like sim- safe or simply projected as it is with Devontae. But I think uh, Miles Sanders can kind of bounce back overall, even though he was good as a runner last year, not so much as a receiver. Um, I also think having Jalen Hurts here is a boon for him. I mean, we kind of saw that towards the end of last season. You know, remember that Saints game specifically where like Jalen Hurts, his, his threat as a runner kind of helps give, you know, Miles Sanders some more juice. So, uh, and I think they kind of might have to rely on Miles Sanders a little bit more. You know, Jalen Hurts isn't a guy probably you want throwing like 40 times a game or, you know, those high number of, uh, pass attempts. So I think Miles Sanders, uh, can do that, especially with the 17th game in here. And uh, it might be a little bit close, but uh, but I'll take the over on that one. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. We were going to do 10, 10, 10 in each segment, but we'll do
2: 8, 11, and 11, because we talked a little bit at the time. Okay. So uh, Dow- uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, 809.5 receiving yards. Um, and I'm guessing that's another mm-hmm. situation where you just extrapolated his numbers over 17 yep. games. Um, you know what? I'm going to go over on that because wow. – I mean, I'm, I'm scared off a little bit by the you know, but what I just said about Miles Sanders and that Dallas Goddard also has been injured, you know, his share uh, in the NFL in his young career here. Uh, but he's got no Zach Ertz to contend with anymore. His backup tight end, well, presumably, his backup tight end is Richard Rodgers, who is just there to, to kind of be a body at that second tight end. And as we mentioned already, while Devontae Smith – uh, we i believe he's gonna be a volume catcher in this offense that's the only volume catcher they have in this offense so um i think he's gonna get like you said earlier like i don't think he's gonna be a high you know target high volume guy i think he's gonna be sort of and i sort of agree like i don't think they're gonna to throw to it in volume guy yeah or of course right they're not gonna to throw it to him the same way that they threw to zach ertz but uh i do think that he is gonna play a lot like he's gonna play close to 100 percent of the snaps this year like i'd say as long as he stays healthy like over 90 percent of the snaps i would say so the opportunities are going to be there and uh i think he's got a couple big games in him maybe this year uh so yeah i'll i'll, I'll go out on a limb a little bit here and i'll, I'll go over that
1: 809.5 i'm actually going to take the under in this one um the injuries you mentioned I just don't really think, again, like Jalen Hurts is always necessarily looking to throw to tight ends the same way <laughs> that Carson Wentz was. Um, I like Dallas Goddard a lot, but again, we also have not seen him as a proven, like, volume or increased volume target offense. He's kind of been more of like an efficiency guy, I would argue, you know, uh, like picking his spots more so. I mean, it's not like he had these monster performances when Hurts was in there. Like, when Hurts took over uh, the games that he started, Dallas Goddard had 43 yards, he had 39 yards, and he had 38 yards. And then he didn't play in uh, the final game. So, like, I don't know. I just don't know that we have the evidence that, like, Goddard's really going to, you know, explode. I think he's probably going to have his best season, sure. Like, that's not really saying much because he'll be the guy most of the season. But I don't know if he makes it over that. It might be just in the 700s or he might, like, just be under my 809 number, like 800 even, something like around that. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to take the under on that one. All right. Well, let's break here. So before we go to break, Jimmy, uh, take the over on satisfaction. I don't know how that even makes sense, but just do it. Take the, over. uh, a hundred percent. What's, the, what's the percentage chance you're going to be satisfied if you get uh, the over under song? is 99.9%. Are you taking, yeah, the, I'm over taking the under? I'm taking the over on that, Jimmy. Cause then wow. lock it in. <laughs> it, you're, you're going to love this. A lot of BGN Radio listeners, seriously though, have bought it and seemingly liked it. I have not heard any complaints, like legitimately. I'm not even making that up or being hyperbolic. I have not heard anyone complain about Righteous On Craft Jerky. And that's because it's a really good product. And you should check it out for yourself. Best snacks you can get, RighteousOn.com. Use discount code BGN15 for for a discount of 15% off. Same discount code at WildNaturePet.com for dog treats. BGN15, 15% off. Jimmy. Uh, here on BGN Radio, episode 188. For real this time, last week, I think we called episode 188, and it wasn't. That doesn't really matter. The numbers don't matter. The only we're numbers that do I- matter to me. We're such idiots. Such idiots. Rachel caught it. Shout out to Rachel. <laughs> okay. Um, very, much smarter than us. But the numbers that do matter, to me are the over-unders that we're talking about here, and you have the next one. Yeah, this is more of a uh, an either-or,
2: but uh, more receiving yards. Jalen Rager... Or Travis Fulgham. I like this I one. Going, this was
1: yours, right? Yeah, I did come up with this one. Can you I guess you which go. one I'm going to take? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're I'm going to take Travis Fulgham. Fulgham. Yeah. Yeah, of
2: course. See, I think I, Rager's is going to get more snaps, though. Mm, I think Rager is going to be used more as like a uh, you know like a down the field type threat, um, whereas Fulgham showed in that five game stretch that he is capable of sort of handling a like that Steelers game was crazy. Like we I remember watching that game from from the press box in Pittsburgh and um uh sitting next to Elliot and we were like literally like laughing like every time they, there was one series where they threw to him on five consecutive plays and we like and he kept making play after play. And we were laughing like every time he made a play, it was like, who is this guy? And uh so he is capable of of uh handling a, a high target share when he's on. Um of course he fell apart completely like I think in the final eight games uh, of the season last year. He had like nine catches for uh, like right around like 102 yards, something like that, 102, 103 yards and no touchdowns. And like he led the league in receiving during that five game stretch when he sort of went off. So to be determined what he'll be this year. But uh, I know that Jalen Rager is probably, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty, I feel very comfortable with the two starting receivers being uh, Devonte Smith and Jalen Rager Uh, and then to be determined if Travis Fogum can beat out guys like, I mean, he, I mean, the idea that Greg Ward will play at all over Travis Fogum is just crazy to me, but, um, we'll see if he does. And, and if he is able to sort of secure that number three wide receiver spot, um, sort of how will that look? Will he play on the outside? Will they move Jalen Rager inside of the slot? Will Fogum go inside and, you know, will they try to sort of take advantage of size? you know, advantages there like against in that Steelers game, he killed Mike Hilton in that game, like at, at running the running routes out of the slot. So I think there are matchup advantages to be had if they do play him in the slot. But uh I just from think from a pure playing time perspective, I think Rager is going to get far more opportunities than Fulgham. So I'll take him on that premise, not necessarily because I think he's a better player.
1: So that's really well said. And that is the argument for taking. I think like we both agree on the argument. I'm just like betting on the talent and you're betting more on like the role and everything, which yes. is, which is fine. So we're not even like disagreeing on the reasoning. It's just about like which side of the coin you want to go with. So right. yeah, I'm going to take Fulgham just because leave the talent and there are concerns here, but I, I did want to ask you this to me. Percentage chance that Travis Fulgham isn't even on the roster come week one.
2: Yeah, so I'm with you. We talked I think we we mentioned this very briefly during the last episode. Like we both don't think it's a hundred percent that he's on the roster. Uh, but I would say he like if I were to do like a locks, you know, near lock bubble mm-hmm. player, long shot type of post, I'd probably have him in the near lock category, which I would yeah. classify as like over ninety percent, but I would even have him around like ninety-eight. You know, ninety seven, ninety eight percent, he's on
1: the roster. I agree. I just think there is like a path where he comes into camp. He kind of acts like he he made it, and like he's not taking it as seriously as he kind of needs to, which mm-hmm. is kind of part of why he kind of fell off last year and he didn't. Yeah, learn he his have best a in... horrible
2: camp. For all we know,
1: we don't we don't know we yeah. don't know what camp's going to going to look like. So. With all that said, though, I just feel like there's a path too, where he kind of comes in. There's a fire lit under him with a new coaching staff. He kind of gets locked in and he, we, I mean, maybe he's not leading the NFL and receiving like he was for a multiple week stretch last year, but like where he just is good. He's a good player. He's a good starter. Um, so I'm going to take Fulgham. You're going to take Rager. And that brings us to the next one that we have here, which is written by you. It is more total touches, not including kick punt returns. So just offensive touches. For Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell, and I feel like I know which one you're going to take.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go Bosco on this one. Oh wow! Yeah, I just think I didn't he's know one gonna... You're going to go. I think he's going to start off the season as the number two running back. I don't think uh, Kenny's going to have that spot initially. I think at some point during the season, you'll see Gainwell's uh, snaps rise, and we'll see Boston Scott's snaps come down. But I think from the outset, uh, Boston Scott's going to get his opportunities. And you know what? Like, he's good in the screen game. Like, I think that's what he's best at. And I think they're going to really try to use him in that way. And in Indianapolis, you know, Nick Sirianni had his running backs very heavily um, uh, involved in in his offense. And I think Boston Scott sort of fits that. Now, of course, Kenny Gainwell, that's sort of the advantage of him as a prospect coming into the NFL in that, you know, he he did a lot at Memphis in their passing game. Had over 50 catches his final season there. And they, they didn't just have him you know, running routes out of the backfield, he'd line up in the slot, he'd line up outside. They moved him around the formation. So he's got all that in his tool bag too. Um so when you add up their carries and their uh, receptions, um they're they're both kind of similar players. And I think Gainwell is certainly a, a much more talented player than Boston Scott, but I think they're gonna I think they're I think and I think that'd actually be smart to sort of bring him along slowly as well. But I think early in the season, Boston Scott is going to jump out to a decent lead, and it's going to be hard for Kenny to sort of catch him by the end of the year.
1: I agree with that. I'm going to take Boston Scott. Really? Okay. Scott's you know, good. Like, hey, he had a 4.7 yards per carry last year. He was actually 10th in the NFL at uh, yards per reception from running backs, like, you know, he had a good year last year for a team that had a lot of bad players having I mean, bad years. He was like pretty solid for what he is. And I don't think, I think the thing with Kenny Gainwell is I'm going to go back to Kayvon Wallace last year when a lot of people, yourself included, yeah, right. thought like he's going to have this big role from the jump. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's a new coaching I was staff. I of you. that too. Sure. Yeah. I, I just think that, uh, with rookies, sometimes they're brought. Along more slowly than you would like or think they are, so I'm going to give the nod to the the veteran here and go with Bosco, the secret code as someone would call. Okay. It. Uh, a, a total the rookies reference.
2: that make the roster, and this yeah, would of course, be draft picks and undrafted free agents. Eight point five. So I had to like look at my 53 man roster that I did to kind of By the way, this is the initial a... 53 man roster. So like so yeah, like last okay. year for example, like if they like when the Lions cut Jason Huntley and then the Eagles mm-hmm. claimed him off of waivers, he doesn't count. He's got to be on the right. initial 53. So it's got to be guys that, you know, were in camp, made the team, rookies, undrafted free agents, 8.5. They of course had 9 draft picks this year. Mm-hmm. Um sort of underwhelming undrafted
1: free agent class. Who what do you got? I'm going to take the over and in part because it feels like logically they should again transition year like you should be leaning towards keeping some of these younger players and also so they made the nine picks and I don't know that they're all locked to make the team, but even if they're not uh, Jack stole Jimmy got the the largest guarantee of any Eagles undrafted rookie free agent signing. And the precedent for that player is usually pretty good. Now, it's not always a guarantee they make like the week one roster. Right. Like Josh Adams uh, didn't, I guess, and Luke Jeriga maybe didn't last year. Um And then, but it was TJ Edwards and uh, Nate Herbig yes. in 2000. Like, so those guys usually make the roster at some point, And I know it's about week one, but like the precedent for that like gives him a real chance. And the fact that the Eagles don't really have like a ton at tight end anyway. And like Jack Stoll could easily find a way to be the number three. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so even if they cut one, of the draft picks, I still think maybe they keep one of their UDFAs. And and in that sense, I will take the over, although it's cutting it close. So it's a good line set by you. I'm going to go under on that one. Wow. I do think there is one rookie that will not make the team that
2: they feel like uh, they'll be able to get him onto the practice squad. And then I don't think any undrafted free agents make the roster. Hmm. It's just not a very strong group. The, the, the You mentioned Jack Stoll. The other guy that I think has a chance if he like really stands out in camp and in the preseason games is uh, – I'm going to butcher his name. Coyote. Coyote. Uh, Awosika, the guard from Buffalo, who, of course, paved the way for a huge rushing season by Jared Patterson uh, up at Buffalo. So um, I like his game, and I think he's got a chance, but I also think he's probably another guy that they – think they can probably stash. Um, but yeah, so yeah, every year I think we think they're gonna keep, you know, like all the rookies are close to it. And then every year that you know at least one or two of them get cut. So I'm gonna bank on that again uh in this year. Even though this year obviously the roster stinks and there's more room yeah. for these rookies to make the roster, I'm still gonna go under here. All right. By the way, um, we'll also include so if a guy like gets hurt and he goes on IR, we'll count him as making okay. the roster.
1: All right. Well, so that helps me. That That helps me. Um, Total snaps Brandon Brooks or Lane Johnson, who will have the higher snap count? Yeah. uh, Brandon Brooks is more prone to the season ending injury,
2: whereas Lane Johnson is more prone to missing a game here, missing a game there, that ankle flare up, blah, 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 blah. Both guys say they are good to go. Uh, Reporting on each guy has said that they're both good to go. Um, really tough call. Cause I do think yeah. that at some point, if the season starts to go sideways, they're going to look to get, um, Landon Dickerson in the, in, into the lineup. And I think there's also a, not a great chance, but I think the chance exists that Brandon Brooks could be dealt at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already clear that they tried to trade him during the off season. So I think well, that's a possibility. That. <laughs> What's that? He admitted it. Yeah, yeah, he did. Brandon Brooks even said, yeah, like he confirmed that that actually did happen. So, I'm going to go with Lane uh playing more uh snaps than Brandon Brooks because he's not definitely not getting traded at the trade deadline. They can't trade him for like another year or two at least. Um and uh obviously he they don't really have much, you know, I mean, he's the best lineman on the team in my opinion at this point. Uh, you know, arguably between him and uh and, and Jason Kelsey there, but
1: um I will take Lane here for more snaps overall. I agree and with all the reasoning. Basically, you said I was. Uh, it's interesting. I thought you might take Brooks. I mean, Brooks is such a warrior that, like, and so is Lane. I mean, these are really tough dudes. That like, it's two hard of my favorite players on the team to talk to, by the way. Both of them are awesome, and both of them have a great uh, chemistry and friendship yes. and dynamic with yep. each other too. By the way, um, so uh, so tough one here. Obviously, hope they play all the snaps, both of them, and don't miss any, and have a great seasons for them. Um, but one, one more quick uh, thing before we move on from those two. Uh-huh. One of my favorite things
2: from the Super Bowl was when they lined up to run the Philly Special. There's there's an angle that they show that play where Lane and Brandon Brooks like look at each other like like holy ish are we actually doing this?
1: <laughs> and then they run the play, of course. Uh, so I'm sorry, go ahead, continue on. Uh, I agree on take Lane, but on a related note, Jimmy, I came up with this one: Leonard Dickerson starts for the Eagles this year. I put it at 6.5. Okay. Yeah. It de- so it depends on
2: where are they going to play him this year? Like mm-hmm. if he plays, is he like, if Kelsey gets hurt, is he going to play center? Probably like this, this quickly else? because, he, well, the reason I asked that is because I mean, he obviously played center at Alabama, but um, is he going to get enough reps during the preseason or during training camp and during the preseason? to Maybe. sort of be able to run the offense the way that they, you know, run the offensive line the way that they like these guys to, or are they going to just move Samalo inside to, to
1: handle that? Well, um, then who are they putting in at left guard if Samalo moves the center? Well,
2: uh, Dickerson. Dickerson. <laughs> yeah, Dickerson. So, so it doesn't oh, matter if he's playing yeah, center yeah, right. or not. So I guess
1: it doesn't matter either way. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, potentially Herbie, but I think uh, Dickerson mm-hmm. probably is your first guy off the bench uh, at any of those interior offensive line spots. I don't think he's playing out at offensive tackle of course. Um this first year or at all really, but um it's a tough call because they have plenty of injuries that they have every year, but he too is an injury risk. So like even if he gets yeah. in, you know, is he going to
1: last 7 games?
2: I'm going to go under on this one.
1: Okay. I'm going to go over because the Eagles seem like really excited about him and I don't think I don't think this is going to happen. But I don't think it's impossible that They're so excited about Landon Dickerson that he actually like starts over Isaac Small or something. Mm -hmm. Or just because there's so many injuries last year. Like there's there's multiple paths to him getting playing time, is basically what I'm trying to say. Um and the injury thing is something that I probably didn't even weigh enough, (laughs) admittedly. I totally just like forgot about that. But uh that's kind of Oh, his own injuries, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I totally just didn't even think about that. Uh when when putting that number in there. But I think like they really like him a lot. By the way, just a quick aside on Herbig, um, Statlin actually mentioned him in his press conference the other week. Right. Wasn't unpopular. asked about him. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Not at all. Wasn't even asked like anything about him and brought him up. And I like that. So I think Herbig's good and I like him. Um, I just wanted to mention that as a card carrying member of the Nate Herbig fan club. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm going to take the over actually on this one, just because more games, injuries, guys get banged up. Brooks is coming off injury. Kelsey is older. And, and then I just think, I think they're excited about Landon Dickerson. So if there's a chance to play him, I don't think they're going to hesitate.
2: I think a Dickerson versus Sayamalo uh, article is maybe a worthwhile venture. Um, I think the the other argument, the, the opposite argument for that, is like if you're long term thinking, if, if you're thinking long term rather, do you want to bench Sayamalo because he is going to be part of your team going forward? Mm-hmm. And we're pretty sure, like that Kelsey's done after this year with the Eagles. Brandon Brooks also likely last season here in Philadelphia. So do you want to bench a guy and then go okay, well you're a starter again in 2022 right. going forward. So I don't know. I don't think it's likely.
1: I agree. I'm he, just saying he, like, I think there's a chance.
2: Yeah. But um yeah, I mean uh yeah, but, but I'm with you. Like if, if if he's just clearly way better than Isaac then, then I mean, yeah. if you're running a merit, if you're running a meritocracy,
1: then uh you know, it does make sense to just play Landon instead of Isaac, right, or just less less thing. I'll say is even if it's not week one, but if Isaac's struggling, which he has in the past sure. and has he the got before. in before, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, next one, uh, Andre Dillard starts,
2: and in parentheses, these starts don't necessarily have to be with the Eagles.
1: Uh, Three point five. I'm going to take the over just because I feel like, again, with injuries, very possible. I mean, it's, it, he's in a competition. It's like theoretically possible. I don't think he's going to beat up Jordan Malata, but it, there's at least an avenue where he does win the starting left sure. tackle job. And if he does, I don't think he's getting benched. I mean, I guess unless he's a total disaster, I don't think he's getting benched after one start. It probably gets at least a couple. And then if he gets traded, presumably someone is trading for him to to play, I think, not just to have around totally as a backup. So I'm actually going to take the over on it. I don't feel amazing about it, but I'm going to live my life on the edge and, and go with the over. I'm also going to go with the over
2: because we saw wow, how many I'm different surprised. guys started last year. Um at, at various times during, I mean, hell, like Jamon, Jamon Brown's. How many? Oh, my how many God. starts Did he have like two or three? So like, many. I mean, one. I think it was one. It was but he played one? One? Okay. more than that. Um, and then you have, you know, Milata, who, even if he does win the competition, he's, you know, he's had two seasons end because of back injuries. So. Um, you know, it's not a definite that he's going to stay healthy for the entire season, If he, even if he does win that training camp battle. So I kind of put this in there on purpose to bait the fans into taking mm-hmm. the under on Andre on the 3.5. Uh, so I'm going to go over. I feel actually pretty confident that he will have more than 3.5 starts in 2022 or 2021 rather. And also there's a the possibility of trading him too, in which case if mm-hmm. they do trade him to somebody, he's very likely to play more than uh, 3.5 starts next year.
1: Yes. Yeah. I said that to me. Once again, not listening to what I'm saying. Um, It's all right. Uh, So that does it for the offense, right? Uh, Yes.
2: So this this one next one is mine. Brandon Graham, nine point five sacks. Of course, he's never had double digit sacks. (laughs) He keeps coming close every year. Last year, I thought he had it because he had like yeah, he had a lot of sacks in the first half of the year. I remember he had seven through the first eight games. (laughs) Okay, so uh, yeah, I thought he he was going to get it, and then he didn't. Uh, so is this his year to do it is basically what I'm asking you he get to double digit sacks.
1: I, I mean, you already know what I'm going to say, or maybe <laughs> you should like, I'm never going to bet against, like, I, even if like rationally I should take the under, I just, I want it to happen so much that I'm going to manifest it in the happening. I'm going to say over. It's an easy one for me to go under. I'm just going to yeah, play. I know. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Derek Barnett sacks 6.5. Hmm. Yeah, so yours, I put right? this one in here. Yeah, okay. Uh, he had five as a rookie. He only had two in 2018. Obviously, he only played six games that year. Then he had 6.5, a career high, in 2019, and then he had 5.5 last year, 2020. Derek Barnett, finally, Jimmy it seems like he's like finally actually healthy heading into training camp. We thought that for last the first year time. too. I know, but for the first time since his rookie year, it seems like it seems like as we as far as we know. Uh so maybe this is finally the year. It really needs to be. That's a big reason why yeah. I put him on this list. Like I think he we need to see kind of like a career year for him. It's a contract year. He kind of needs to have a career year. I think anything fewer than six point five would be pretty disappointing. Right. What are you taking? Well he's gotta split snaps
2: with um maybe not split even you know, even Steven with Josh Sweat. Um I mean, I think we're both presuming that Ryan Kerrigan plays on the other side, um giving Brandon Graham uh, you know, some some rest every now and again. But he'll also kind of have that role and maybe in the quote unquote Anthony Barr kind of role in uh Jonathan Gannon's uh defense, which we presume is gonna look somewhat like Mike Zimmer's defense in Minnesota. Uh anyway, I, I do think that he'll have a decent number of snaps. Like he's gonna play more than half the snaps this year. Um, it's a tough call, like six point five is 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 a good number to to put down here I'm going to go I'm going to go over uh oh. in the contract year. Um uh, yeah. I I and I like I think he's like when he's played and he's been healthy, he's like been a, a legitimate starting defensive end. Like hmm. not hope, you know, not, not what what I, everybody hoped he would be when he got drafted 14th overall, of course, but uh I do think he is a legit starting caliber caliber player and um yeah he's been good enough when when he's played so i'll I'll go over on that
1: i'm gonna take the over he's healthy as far as we know again and i mean it might not even be way over you know it might not be like 12 but it could be like eight i think especially if he starts 17 games he's actually able to start them all um Need to see like a big. I would like to see. It's not even just about the sack total for me. I would just like to see Derek Barnett making like an impact this right. year. That's the bar for me to resign him. Like, oh, that was an impactful game or two or whatever. Or, like, he needs to be like, can't just be kind of like you know, quietly churning out there. Like, he needs to like show up and make some big plays. So, like Josh, what's it last year? Sure. Um, All right. uh
2: next. More snaps. Uh, third round rookie defensive tackle Milton Williams, or. Sixth round defensive tackle rookie, Marlon
1: Tui Peloto. This is kind of like a throwback to last year's High Tower versus Quez Watkins <laughs> right. thing, where High Tower was uh drafted before or yeah, before yeah, you're right. And F- uh, fifth round and Quez was sixth round. And I guess it's a little different then. I think I'm, I'm maybe this is more like Devon Taylor, or Sean Bradley. Because uh, yes, the, yeah, that's yeah, a better that's a better that's what, count, yes. that's what I'm thinking of. And as it turned um, out, Bradley
2: played more snaps. They both didn't play very so many
1: snaps at all, but Bradley played more. See, I don't really think Milton Williams is the most game-ready player, but I feel like he has more ability. Yes, and with uh MT's like injury issues and stuff, because I don't even think he was like able to participate at least fully. In uh, OTs and everything, and maybe he'll be fully healthy by training camp or whatever. But it seems like there is some kind of weird injury things that not only caused him to fall in the draft, but then kind of kept him out of spring stuff. Like, I don't know fully what's going on there. So I'm actually going to go with Milton Williams. I feel like you're going to take Marlon, though. Am I wrong? I am going to take Marlon because I think he's going to have a very defined role in the defense. Like, I think he's going to
2: play legit snaps um, on rundowns. Um, Like, that's his. that's his floor is, is he's going to at least get that. He's going to get into the games in that role. And also like you look at like the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Uh, I had sort of uh, listed the snap totals for rookie defensive tackles in the Eagles defense. And those are all like undrafted free agents or guys they picked up off of waivers or guys they picked up literally off the street that were getting this kind of playing time. So both of those guys are going to play like at that position anyway. It's not going to be a situation where like they play like no snap like almost no snaps like Davion Taylor and to a lesser degree Sean Bradley like they're going to get they're both going to have over 100 snaps as long as they're healthy but uh I'll give a slight edge here to Marlon because um I think that Milton Williams like you said is a lot more talented but is um I think it's going to take a little bit more time for him to sort of reach his ceiling and you know we saw Marlon Tui below to play uh you know in a major conference Whereas, uh, of course, um, Milton Williams played for Louisiana Tech. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give a slight edge here to Marlin, But uh, that's going to be another one, like like, like you mentioned before, like Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, where maybe Marlon plays more snaps early in the season. And then Milton Williams sort of catches up to him as we go along.
1: Yeah, I think that number, number will be close uh, either way, too. Um, Jimmy. Yes. Why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach, Roach Reelers?
2: Kristen Rocha Road Trail Tours Roach Trail Tours Road Tours Kristen Rocha Road Trail Tours She's the greatest Eight, five, 6 906 oh, 9295 five. Five, nine, oh, nine,
1: nine, 92 Back here on BGN Radio for the final segment of our over-unders, Jimmy. we got a lot to get to. Start- yeah. <laughs> let's let's breeze through this. Uh, starting it off with Darius Slay. Interceptions. I have it at two even. And I didn't set it at two and a half because if you look at his career average, it actually is two and a half. But he's only had three plus interceptions in two out of his eight seasons. He's had two in a number of years. He only had one last year at the Eagles, which came after... Or sorry, it came during the Cowboys game in Week 16, which the Eagles were eliminated from the playoffs. And then Darius Slay had a big celebration about it on Twitter. <laughs> I will also note that Darius Slay was giving props to Trey Young last night as he was killing the Sixers. So, yeah, so there's uh, that yeah that came in garbage time in that game
2: too. Like that wasn't even like a yeah, it, it wasn't even uh, like a, a game changing play. Game in any changing, way. yeah. Um. Yeah, it's wreaking havoc with my OCD that you went with the two instead of a 1.5 mm-hmm. or a 2.5, which we talked about briefly
1: before. Yeah, take a side, Jimmy. <laughs> before the take a side. One or three. Uh, or more. I'll go three. I'll go Boom. over. Over. I am going to go under. I think. Okay. I might regret that, but I don't know. I just like, I think there's a weird perception of Darius Slay. It's a little spoiler. Alert here, a little teaser. I'm gonna do an nfc's East mixtape podcast with RJ this week about the most overrated players in the NFC East. I think kind of aim to do like one offense, he's one a good defense, one. and then like you see. I think Darius Slay is a very strong case that he is the guy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's trash, on I don't think he's terrible. But I mean, the Eagles gave him contract to be like literally uh-huh. the, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at the time of the deal. They got him to be an impact player. He wasn't last year. And guess what? He wasn't the year in Detroit before that either. He's getting older. This could be a player on the decline. I just, I don't know. I We didn't see it last year. We didn't, even, not only did we see, not see interceptions, we didn't really even see like the like big opportunities for him to get those. And maybe in part because he was covering his guys and they right. the other teams were throwing elsewhere. But guess what? Uh, well, they weren't throwing elsewhere that much. To, he got, he yeah. got wrecked by a couple guys. Well, yeah. But I mean, over the course of the season, like you know, there were there were the games that, yeah, he did get destroyed. It's, but it, I'm I saying will like,
2: say this: it's it's harder to get interceptions when you play these great receivers
1: because you can't gamble against them or you get killed. Hmm. But uh, also harder when you have a terrible quarterback number two, and teams are kind of just going to look to like pick that guy apart, which leads yeah, into also, the next yeah, question. Very true. Yes. So I took the over. You took the under on slay interceptions at two. The current. Quarterback to starters. Yeah, on, on that CB2 note. <laughs> yeah. Is he currently on the roster or is he not on the roster? You start with this one. I'm going to say their CB2
2: is currently on the roster. Okay. I mean, they haven't signed uh, anyone yet. Are they going I to? I I mean, we all kind of just assumed they were going to, but it's now June. They haven't done it yet, so mm-hmm. I'm going to – I'm going to say he's on the roster. And even if they do sign somebody by now, like at this point, that guy isn't guaranteed to start anyway, because what's left? So I'm going to say that guy is currently on the roster. So it'll be like Zach McPherson or Greg James or Michael Jaquette. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, like not a lot of good options there, but. uh, they might just go into the season with uh, with a you know a very questionable CB two or uh, Vontae Maddox for all we know like, you could be starting there again that would be a disaster uh,
1: in my opinion but um, you yeah, know I think one of those guys will start. I'm gonna say not on the roster. There's a precedent for this. Look at the Ronald Darby acquisition. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think you know they're gonna be so desperate where they're gonna be giving up picks. It's not the same kind of uh, right like the the team the is expectations in the same spot, heading but- into the season. Yeah. But I do think it could be like a situation where the corners are looking terrible in camp and they're like, we have to do something. We have to add <laughs> somebody be. at this spot to start. So, yeah. and there's still some guys out there. Like we've talked about Steven Nelson. Like I don't know how realistic that. I don't think it's super realistic, but he's out there. Gary Kylie is still out there. So there's people out there. It's viable and it's not fun if we take the same thing on everything. So, uh, going against you worked well for me last year. I'll do it again. I'm going to say not on the roster. Let's switch over to Jake Elliott, Jimmy missed field goals. It's another even number, but this is because he's had five field goal misses in three of his four seasons. The other one he had four. I didn't want to set it at four and a half because then I feel like it'd be easy to take the over. And I don't want to set it at five and a half. Cause I feel like it'd be easier to take the under cause he's never missed more than five. Um, what are you taking on this one? Extra game over. Hmm. There is a very foreseeable scenario where Jake Elliott just like really struggles this year, and just last year at the team, because then the Eagles can get out of his contract. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, they they could, I guess, kind of get out of it this season. Like if he's really really bad, and they just like if he just totally falls apart. Um, I am going to take the under though, because okay. uh, I think I he think bounces back. Actually, it's but, not uh, impossible he could bounce back. Yeah, four is a low and- number of misses.
2: Yeah, like he, even when is. he missed, so he had a low number of field goal attempts last year, mm. um, and he missed five, but his pr- field goal percentage was like seventy something. Whereas he's been, uh, I guess around like eighty two or eighty three, I think for his career. Uh, I think we'll get back to that this year, but uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll just
1: go over because I don't four is four is a pretty low number of misses. But here's my logic on this: Jake Elliott, to his credit, has shown up like big in the most high-pressure sure. states. Oh, for sure. a this is a, yeah. a high-pressure season for him. This is like kind of a make-or-break season, I think. like He has to have a good year. I think the Eagles are going to move on. So maybe he's on his game, and uh, that's the reasoning I'll use to take the under on his misses. Underrated part of their Super Bowl season,
2: Jake Elliott. I mean, he made huge kicks yeah. all year. Big one against the Raiders. Big one against Houston, I think. Obviously, the Giants won, and then the, uh-huh. the Super Bowl field goal. 45-yarder. Doesn't, doesn't, get, doesn't get mentioned enough.
1: Yeah, uh, it All made right. sure the uh, game
2: wouldn't be lost in regulation. Eagles that make the initial Pro Bowl roster. Now, to be, I've phrased it that way because we're not yes. counting replacements for guys that don't play and that are named to the Pro Bowl don't play. Whatever, uh, or that
1: weird Miles Sanders corollary that happened this year, <laughs>
2: right? Uh, so I, I set this at two point five. I don't think under- it <laughs> last year, by the way. Initially, yeah, that's Kelsey,
1: Brandon Graham. And Fletch. Okay. So Cox is probably going to make it again just because it seems like he just, unless he's like very obviously just not doing anything. Just like he seems to be just coasting. There aren't a lot of great defensive tackles in the NFC aside from that too. So I think he's a sure bet to make one. Other than that, who do I feel really great about? I don't know. Um, I'm going to take the under on that just because I don't like conceptually, I don't think the roster is amazing and I also think the Eagles aren't going to be great enough to kind of get guys in, you know, just based on like, oh, the team is good, so they kind of get that extra bump. Especially, they're bad last year, and the Pro Bowl kind of takes sometimes years to catch up. You you kind of have that stench on you still. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to take the under. What about you? Well, Kelsey could be, you
2: know, another lifetime achievement guy. Um, Yeah. So we'll see about him, but uh, yeah, I'll also go under because I just – the one guy that I think – so like I was asked in in a chat like who I thought could maybe be the, like a first time uh pro bowler and I actually named Miles Sanders initially <laughs> because because like he he shows up as a pro bowler last year in some places and other other places Yeah that's he on Wikipedia it. though Jimmy but that is Wikipedia a,
1: that, isn't legit
2: That's a bolt that's a BS one though because like uh-huh. you said like he was named by like a Madden The Madden fan vote Yeah so like that doesn't count Um so he's possibility and Devontae Smith is a yeah. possibility. So I agree. if one of those two guys can break through, then uh you know, obviously it's a much better chance that they get three in, but I am gonna go under here.
1: Alright. So this one was inspired by something you did last year, where you kinda had uh or is it wait, no we're no, we're not there yet. Sorry. Uh total in season trades after week one and before the deadline. And it's funny, before I saw this in yours, I actually wrote this up myself. The very okay. exact stipulation <laughs> after week one. That's I funny. Yep, like, oh, I'm to take that out. Um yeah, you've added one point five. And uh Is that what you also had it as? I think I had a 0.5 Well, okay. but I phrased mine a little differently, and I wanna get to that part once we answer this real quick. But um, I'm gonna take the under on 1.5. I'm gonna say they're gonna make one trade before the deadline, but not more. What about you? Yeah, same for me. Uh, I think they make okay. one deal and that's it. My over/under was going to be Eagles players traded away. Like the okay, bit different phrasing there. So kind of more on like how many. Like so, basically, are the Eagles going to be sellers, and who are they? Like, are they going right. to sell players away? Because uh, I think that should be possible. Oh, yeah, they should be definitely looking
2: to shed uh, some of these contracts that they have. And, um, like, Brandon Brooks is, is an example. Um, Fletcher Cox, I think, can help anyone. I mean, he can help any defense that's contending for a Super Bowl. Like, you can play him in a 3-4, you can play him in a 4-3, you can play, you can play him anywhere. So he's a guy that, um, you know, the options are limited, unlimited for him uh, in terms of uh, trade value. Will they start so with those kinds of guys? at you know midway through the season they've never really done it before but you know maybe this is finally the year in a year that they are going into with the owner saying that it's a retooling year and uh if they have a bad record by that point in the season then i think it'd be dumb really not to sort of you know unload these guys for two purposes to get a trade to get a, you know draft pick or two back um while also shedding um you know sort of some lofty contracts uh, for some players
1: I feel like too, for some of these players, it could be their best chance for the Eagles to sell high because teams yes. are going to be desperate. Potentially it could be, you know, a seller's market at the deadline and like it's the best know, seller's
2: could, market time of year is at the yeah. deadline.
1: So like, don't not take advantage of that. Like, don't be like, Oh, we can wait. Maybe we'll make it. No, like this isn't the year you're all in, like take advantage of the time where you can actually sell these players and get a high return. Uh If you're bad, if they're great, then don't sell players. Um, Combined Eagle Snaps for the following players. And again, this is inspired by one you <laughs> made up last year, Jimmy, where basically had a bunch of the Eagles like free agents slash former players. Yeah. So how many of these guys? Uh combined Eagle Snaps for the following guys. And I included Jordan Matthews on here who is apparently switching to tight end now. <laughs> right. He put Just on like 30 pounds like as, or something like that. Yeah, as a as a nod, as a joke. Um but he's in here. It's Jordan Matthews, it's Jalen Mills, it's Cameron Johnson, Rudy Ford, Vinny Curry, Duke Riley. Nathan Gary, Nate Studfeld, and then the the guys who are still unsigned, Jason Peters, Nicole Roby Coleman, Cravon LeBlanc, and then Corey Clement, who is signed, and then Josh Perkins, who isn't signed. Point five. Are you taking the over or under on all of those players? Well, looking at this list, I'll say that
2: I think the most likely player is probably Cravon if some guys get hurt. Yep. I think Nikhil Roby Coleman's career is over. Corey Clement, maybe? I know it's a big Dom fave. Uh, Jason Peters is on there, Jimmy. JP's on there still. He hasn't found a team yet.
1: Under. I don't think any of them come back. I mean, obviously, like, Jalen Mills isn't, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Cameron Johnson isn't like some of these guys sign yeah. multi-year deals um but i you know and if, know, and if they're know. so
2: bad that they get cut then
1: you wouldn't bring uh-huh. them back anyway. Well, uh-huh. I shouldn't
2: say that. I shouldn't say that actually.
1: Or the Eagles could do something dumb and like trade for one like oh we need to have this guy back. <laughs> um very not likely, but i have it on here as a possibility. So i'm actually going to take the over because i don't think it's impossible that like you know Duke Riley gets cut or something and the Eagles like Who need to land back here the Dolphins Okay, for, when you were going through those names, I was, like, I, I, I was mentally remembering who they all signed with and I couldn't figure out Duke Riley. I have a list of former Eagles on every single roster, Jimmy, that I'll be publishing on League Green Nation in the very near future. So you can see where every single Eagles player that's still in the NFL with a team... Uh, where they are. So stay tuned for that. Very exciting. Um, yeah. I just think there's again, Jason Peters, like, what if the Eagles offensive line just totally goes to crap again? Like, it's like where it was last year and everyone's hurt. At some point, they're probably, just, and he's still out there. They might just resign him because like they need a body and he's out there. Um, and they can't help themselves. So I'm going to take the over. Uh, might not be worth it, but I'm going to do it. All right. Think another guy who year, might too. be on a team,
2: uh, another team soon enough. Uh, Zach Ertz, the mm. trade slash release date for him July twenty-ninth
1: at twelve noon. Mm. You going before or after that date? So we're gonna say under is before. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say under. Because isn't it kind of weird? If training camp begins and like he's still like not showing up and like, I don't know. It's just like they kind of have to resolve it by it's then. It's two days into camp. I did that purposely. Mm-hmm.
2: Because camp starts July 27th, I think, right? Yeah. So I'll say before that. What about you? It's tough. Like, I mean, I set that date to make it difficult. Um, I too will go before hmm. July 29th. I mean, just get it over with already. <laughs> like, just yeah.
1: just do it. Whatever you're going to do with them, trade him, release them. Come, come on, give me a break with this. Um, there typically is some roster movement, not just trades and stuff, but like different things like that before camp. Like always, the few days leading up before camp, there's some kind of yeah you know, clarity. And it does become a
2: distraction things. if they if they go into camp and he's still on the roster, but he's not showing up. Yeah. It, that is a
1: story now again. So it's I, a national I, story. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll go I'll go under on that too. Alright, so I put this in here, kinda of silly, but I think it's relevant. Rock, paper, scissors, <laughs> touchdown celebrations. That's yeah. shown on the TV. So this could be like I'm I'm thinking players, but if Nick Sirianni does it with one of his players on the sideline after a touchdown, let's say yeah, then that, that counts. counts. Yeah. So but it has to be up there. It's a touchdown celebration. Um so I put it at point five, you're taking the over or under.
2: So I remember like the twenty eighteen season. Uh, well, first of all, the 2017 season, part of like the fun of that season was all their touchdown celebrations. Like they had a, they had a ton of them, and then 2018, not as much because they are losing in so many games early on. Like they 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 that was you know famously like they lost the first quarter in so many of those games. So when they would score touchdowns later in the game, like there weren't celebrations because they were down. So I think that they have to. In order to generate these touchdown celebrations, they have to have leads in these games. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's going to happen all that much. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go under because I just don't think the opportunity for, you know, creative, fun celebrations are going to be there as much Mm -hmm. uh, as we saw, of course, in the 2017 season. And, you know, you and I are, uh, of course, you know – finally you know well and well in touch with the rock paper scissors stuff and the fans are and the rest Mm -hmm. of the media is of course but i wonder how much the players really pay attention to that as much um certainly devontae smith you know has the history with uh uh, you know playing rock paper scissors literally like during the game with guys like jalen waddle and stuff like that so he Mm -hmm. would be my in there he'd be he'd be the guy that would have that touchdown celebration uh in my opinion if it were to happen and as we noted earlier i think he's going to go over the 4.5 touchdowns uh that you that you laid out but still i'm going to go under i don't think it happens um that'll be a fun one like when it happens i'm sure i'll get a text from you if uh yeah. like immediately uh, <laughs> as soon as there is
1: a, a rock paper scissors to celebration so i assume you're going over do what you already say you're going over I'm gonna take over. I think it's possible. I think there's a scenario, where, and it's a very simple one to do. Like it's one that like you could still do even if you are down. But it's not like this big elaborate team thing. Yeah, like, yeah you can yeah, just yeah. do it quickly with like a pal. You know, one of your other teammates. Like, mm-hmm. you, you could be down two touchdowns and you could just do it real quick, okay. and it's not like a big thing. Um, so wanted to have some fun with that. Uh, Eagles win total. I put it at six, and you're so pissed off by this. <laughs> it's an even number, but you have the Eagles. Winning six games this year. I looked back at your win-loss prediction, yeah. and I wanted to make you take a side. It's not fun if I put it at 6.5. to right. Because if it were younger. 6.5, so, i go under. Exactly. It, so it's I wanted six, to put it at 6.
2: Yeah. 5 is a really low number. Because yeah. it's not just 5 and 11 anymore. It's now 5 and 12. So do I? the question is, do I think 5 or 7 is more likely? And I'm going to yes. go 7 is more likely. Okay than five. Now I'm very pessimistic on this team mm. and my six and eleven prediction says that basically, but I do think seven in this horrible division and their last place schedule, I
1: think seven is uh is more likely than five. I'm gonna take the over as well. I mean I had them win in freaking eight games, which will probably not look great in my in our <laughs> podcast prediction. So I'll take the over on that one. I like the last four that you have, Jimmy. Okay. Which all relate to uh, well, draft pick stuff. The Eagles' first-round picks next year. Okay, so Eagles' 2022 first-round draft pick position. Is it over or under at 9.5? I'm going to take the... I mean, I just had them winning seven games. So, man, I'm going to say ugh, just over. Ugh. So you think they're, they're picking like 10, 11,
2: somewhere around there? Yeah, like just over, just, just over. I'm going under. I think they're picking in the five to ten range. So I think uh it's more likely that they're one through nine than it is that they're ten through whatever.
1: The Dolphins 22 first round draft pick position with Tua Tungovailoa apparently not looking so great in OTAs like throwing like five picks in a practice mm. and just generally being inaccurate. And he didn't really look good last year. And and quite honestly I mean, I haven't studied Tua closely because he's never really been relevant for the Eagles. And, uh, and it's not like I watched like a ton of Miami Dolphins games last year being that they're in the AFC, but like, I just don't see it with him. Like, I don't, I don't see why like people love him so much or like think he's like true. I just don't, I don't see it. And now, you know, again, he wasn't fully healthy last year. He came into the season with that hip injury and everything, but like, even he admitted, Jimmy, that like he wasn't like fully up on the playbook. Like he said that. I don't know. I, I just I'm getting some bad vibes there between yes. <laughs> that and the training camp stuff. And I, I've never just been his biggest fan anyway. Like, I I don't know. I just I don't love that. I think the Dolphins have a good roster and they're they're talented. Um, but they're also fortunate. Last year, I remember seeing something recently on Twitter from Michael Clay in terms of like injuries and like mm-hmm. one score game stuff. I think and everything like they kind of did well on that. Um, so they they could be kind of. Prime to regress more than I think, even though I think Flores is a good head coach. Like, there's things I like about the Dolphins still, but but I don't know. So I'm actually I think I'm going to take the under on 16.5.
2: Another point too to be made there is their defense really caught some teams off guard with a lot of different things they did schematically. But as the season progressed, I think teams started to sort of figure out what they were doing, and um, the you know teams are going to have a full off season to you know counteract what they were doing last year. So I think that's another big part of the equation. And as you mentioned, Tua. Not only um we've seen the reports about him not playing well in OTAs, but he didn't play well last year either. So he got yeah. benched like a couple different times, right? Like he got benched multiple times during the season last year. Their backup is Jacoby Brissett, who in my opinion mm-hmm. is a good backup. But if you do bench him for Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett has a career record of twenty or excuse me, twelve. <laughs> And 20 so we're not exactly talking about you know a guy that's gonna you know lead them to the promised land so um yeah i am with you i think that they are going to be drafting in the i I said it 16.5 purposely for first half of the first round or second half of the first round and i do think they will be in the top half of the first round of the 2022 draft
1: I think the AFC East might be a little bit tougher, too. I mean, I think the Patriots arguably got better. They spent a lot of money. They should yeah. be better. We'll see. And then the Jets. Bills think, might not be were, as good as they were last year, but not they're as still good. I a clearly better team than Miami. Good team. And I think you could say the Jets got better. Yes. Joe Douglas has helped build the roster. Not that they're great or something, but I think they're at least a little bit more respectable than they were with Adam Gase. So yes. I like Salah certainly a lot more than Adam Gase. So, yeah, I think the division could be a little bit tougher, too. So, so yeah, I'll have them there. And then... Uh, the Colts 2022 first round draft pick position, which kind of ties into the last question, but, uh, cause it might not even be obviously in the first round. There's a lot of downside with this one, which why is why I think I'm actually going to take the over on this, even though I'm clearly Did not in on numbers? Wentz. Uh, 20, sorry, 21.5 is what you have it at. And I, I just think there's like so much downside because what if Wentz gets hurt and then it's a second rounder? Like, like there's, there's a lot of potential for this pick. To fall, well, to be clear, this isn't
2: this isn't their this is necessarily like it doesn't the pick doesn't have to convey here.
1: It's just what's the Colts' first round draft position. So then, what happens if they don't have a first round pick? It's just no action. They'll they'll have just
2: like where where their pick would have been, like their first, like where what position in the first round will that be? Got you. Will that be okay? So, so even if Wentz gets hurt, for example, like week five, oh, so they they still still make the playoffs. We're we're ignoring that. It's just where okay. where will so it's first not the first round
1: pick land? It's not the conditional pick then. It's not the actual pick they're sending to the Eagles. It's right. Just, it's just where the, okay. will they land in the first round? Got you. Uh whether it can be I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over, even though I don't really believe in Carson Wentz anymore. But uh I think that team is good enough. And the division isn't amazing, although I think the Titans now should be favored to win it. Um, it's a good over under by you because I think it's kind of close. I think it's kind of in that range. I could see them like making the playoffs but then like losing in the first round so I'm gonna take the over what about you so twenty one is a spot where
2: they would make the playoffs because um, Washington for example was the had the highest pick of any team that made the playoffs they picked 19th uh, last year now that there are 14 teams that make the playoffs in the NFL. Um, so I said it at a spot where they make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think Tennessee is going to win that division and I don't think they're going to win a wild card. And the reason why for me is very simple. And it's because their quarterback was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL last year. And he is now their quarterback. And I think he's a downgrade from Phillip rivers and you know, they're going to win some games. Like I think they're going to be somewhere around like 500, but, uh, I will pick the under
1: on the 21.5 then we'll finish it up here with a related note Carson Wentz percentage of snaps played you put it at 75 even obviously the context here is if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the Colts snaps last year the Colts will send a 2022 right, no matter first what round no matter pick. what they're right, yeah no matter what no matter what the other condition being that if the Colts make the playoffs and Carson Wentz plays at least 70% then they also Get a first round pick. The it's Eagles weird do. that those so,
2: percentages are so close to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, I wonder what the I wonder what the well,
1: negotiating process was on that. Oh, I thought we've talked about that. That's the seventy the percent thing is like it's a protection against sitting starters in the final week. Uh, like if, you know, oh, like, oh right. That makes sense. So that it's like sense close sense. and then they sit the starters and it's like, Hey, <laughs> right. come on, what are you doing? It's like kind of protects against that a Got little it. bit. Got it. Got it. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to take the over on this. I think I forget what his career average is, but I believe it's over over this actually for Carson Wentz snaps played um, for his career. So it's not like history is against him, even though he has been hurt. Um, It's an interesting question to consider just because I'm so fascinated by the uh, protect your investment angle to this like Because if he's if he's stuck in, there becomes a point where like it's just not worth it to keep playing him because you need to protect that. Like if this pick is going to be like a top five pick, then there's no way the Colts are going to let it convey to the Eagles because like you can't do that. Now, I think if it's in the gray area and it's kind of like, do we need to make a decision on this? I think they lean towards keeping Wentz in because I think they're going to value the relationship with Wentz more than the pick. If it kind of has to be a choice between those two and it's not very clear cut, I think they're going to lean towards keep letting him play. Um, so I'm going to take the over on this, but there, you know, there is downside in injury and performance. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for them to bench him.
2: Especially, like, especially if like, he's not playing terribly, but they're just not winning games for whatever mm-hmm. they can. Cause if you bench him at that point, you're basically telling the entirety of the team. Uh, we think, uh, a draft pick is more important than, this season that you Been guys winning, worked yeah. your asses off for the for for the last you know seven months or whatever. So that's gonna be hard for them to do. Like Wentz has to legitimately be really bad uh for them to bench him. But yeah, I think we'll I think he'll cross that seventy five percent uh threshold this year. Um because they're gonna be I mean they're gonna be in contention for that division for the entirety of the season. And yeah. um you know, I like I said, I think the Titans are going to win the division ultimately but um, it's not like they're going to be out of it by the time like November uh, rolls around, where they're just like, okay, well, we're not going to win the division. We're almost certainly not going to make the playoffs. Let's make sure we get. Let's make sure we keep our first round pick. I don't think that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I do think he's going to be. For me, it's really just a matter of can he stay healthy, and uh, I, I'll bet on that happening.
1: Something I've been thinking about recently as we wrap up here. Um, is, isn't is it kind of funny how like as recently as last year I was like oh can Wednesday healthy can stay healthy like that was like still like, a, like the biggest yeah, thing I feel, sure. like, being talked about with him but then he gets traded to the Colts and now it's just like oh he's going to be great because <laughs> now he's back with Frank <laughs> Craig. it's like well, what happened to the injury thing that like used to be the consensus <laughs> right. opinion like right. I thought that was overblown to be clear Um because I think you look at some of the injuries it's not always like the same stuff it's fluky stuff although you know it's a point of concern but it's just kind of funny to me how that shifted it's like He's not in Philly anymore, and now the injuries are just not even mentioned, and it's just like assumed he's going to be good. I feel like the national uh narrative is it's like he's back with Frank Reich, everything is fixed. The Colts have this amazing offensive line, which I don't even think is necessarily true, but that somehow gets accepted as like fact. Yeah, and that like Wentz is just going to automatically be better, a hundred percent. Like it's not even a question. You just put him in a better situation, he's going to do great. So I'm going to take the over, like you um- did. I don't know if you can that hear my up. washing
2: machine on the spin cycle right now, but that's what that back is. I can't. Is. Uh, so, yes. We, right. we, we So, we agree there. Did, did you happen to be tracking these as we've been going along?
1: I did. I okay. wrote them down. I will have these, again, posted on bleedinggreennation.com with our, both of our picks, Jimmy, and then polls for people to vote in to uh, you know weigh in with their options. That's yes. fun. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Um. Yeah, uh, just looking forward to the summer and uh, go Sixers. Agree on those points. To me, I'll say <laughs> Happy Father's Day to you. Oh, to thank your you, Dad. My yes. Obviously, uh, this episode. Being yeah, Happy one Father's day, day to all the father's other day. fathers. Day to all the other fathers out there. All the other fathers uh out there who listen to the podcast including my dad happy father's day dad i know you're i hope you're listening at this point i hope you didn't No, he didn't turn it off they always listen to the end and my mom too love you mom um love you guys you're the best thanks for listening and supporting me as always appreciate that that's really cool um yeah so that does it for this week's episode of bgn radio we will be back with you next week talking about something the Eagles aren't really, there's not much happening, but we will be here talking to you about something. So you have that to look forward to. Again, teasing the NFC's mixtape with RJ Ochoa. That'll be fun. The overrated players this week will be underrated the next week. We've been having a lot of fun with that podcast. Jimmy, Jimmy Kemsky here has the dumpster fire series coming Ooh, out yes. soon. Yes. So that'll be beginning exciting. Monday. Monday. Okay. Wow. So you'll want to check those out. And then obviously, so that's what we'll talk about on the podcast next week. We'll talk about the dumpster fire series. Um, and, also, check out BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Check out me on Twitter at Brandon Gauton. Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Go rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell us how you found the podcast. We're always kind of interested to see how you know about us. That's always cool. If you don't know what to write in the reviews, there you go. It's a little prompt for you. Check out Righteous Selling Craft Jerky by going to RighteousSelling.com. You can discount code BGN for 15% off. Go to WildNatureAt.com for 15% off. Dog Treats use the same discount code BGN15. I'm shipping up to Boston, Jimmy, for a little bit here, but I'll be back before people even know it. And uh, yeah, as I told people before the last episode, some people shouted out some recommendations. So thank you to all of those people who did. Niels, uh, everyone else, really appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. Mr. Mister, Mr. and Mrs. Galton, I love you guys too. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N
0: <laughs> More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of.